Someone once said, scars are the authentic marks of faithful discipleship and true spiritual leadership. Those who are serious about Christ will suffer scars, if not physical scars, certainly emotional scars. You may not never have been physically tortured for Christ, though a day is probably coming in our culture when that will take place. But certainly anyone who names the name of Christ knows the emotional pains that you bear because of Jesus. The Apostle Paul endured suffering of just about every kind. Some of it came from the inevitable hardships that came from travel in his day. Some from the tremendous energy and effort he put into his ministry. And some came at the hands of people offended by the good news he was spreading. Today on Verse by Verse, we'll continue our series of studies about hindrances to the gospel with some extra attention given to the persecution Paul encountered as he challenged the status quo with the message of salvation by grace. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our leader in these Bible studies. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. What does persecution and hardship have to do with not hindering the spread of the gospel? Well, it's quite simple. If we endure, there must be a good reason for it. Jesus must be worth suffering for. If we cut and run at the first sign of trouble, then he apparently is not that big of a deal to us. That's one reason why God grants to his believers the privilege of suffering for Jesus. It adds a great deal of power to our testimony. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, last time we studied 2 Corinthians, we began to examine this rather lengthy list of Paul's trials, and we noted that, that they could be classified into several categories. We looked at the first one last time, and I'll only mention it very briefly. Verse 4, he says, But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, here's how we endure, in what? In afflictions, in hardships, in distresses. These are the general trials. That's how I would categorize this. These are the general pressures and difficulties that come with serving the Lord. I don't care what service you're involved in, you're going to have difficulty. Nobody has a perfect service for Christ. Nobody has that. It's met with uh, misunderstandings. It's met with people who will criticize you. It's met with conflicts. These are just the general trials that go with the territory. It just happens. Now, this morning, as we continue looking at Paul's list of sufferings, we want to examine two more categories of his trials in which the apostle now gets very specific as to what he had to endure for the cause of Christ. And I think this is very inspiring. As I've studied it this uh, these last few weeks, my own heart has been stirred to, to want to be of a greater service to Christ and greater availability. When I think of what Paul went through, I realize that... Uh, We all need a deeper commitment, that I need a deeper commitment. You see, the primary truth of these verses is to teach that those who are steadfast, like Paul, never disgrace the Lord or his ministry. They never do it, because they reveal by their endurance that he's worth suffering for. And I would say of special note are those of you who are preparing for full-time ministry. If you're preparing for the ministry, then, then pay careful attention to this, because these are the high standards of what God expects us to endure as we go through difficulties in ministry. So the second category of his uh, trials, we move from the general trials now to sufferings inflicted on him by others. That is to say persecution. Verse 5, he writes, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults. 
Now, these three words describe troubles that were inflicted on the Apostle Paul by men opposed to the gospel. With each type of persecution, that's what it really is, it's persecution, being progressively more severe. First, he mentions in beatings, meaning that though he experienced physically uh, physical beatings, torture, for the sake of Christ, yet he remained faithful, faithful to the Lord. He was loyal to his master even when he was physically tortured. This will give you a newer appreciation, a greater appreciation for Paul. The word for beatings means uh, stripes or wounds, and it, and, and it came from being beaten with either rods or whips. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Paul says that five times he, re- he was whipped by Jew- the Jewish authorities, receiving 39 lashes. Now, why did they do 39? Because legally they were allowed 40. They couldn't go over 40. So they figured they might have miscounted. So they gave, they gave grace. They said 39. Lest that they count to 40 and they've given 41, they've broken the law. 39 lashes. Five times he had been whipped by Jewish authorities. But there's more. In chapter 11, verse 25, he said that three times he was beaten with rods, which would be flexible sticks tied together by the Roman authorities. So Jewish authorities, Roman authorities. This was a man who was beaten physically. And one of the times that uh, we know he was beaten because it explains it, is when he was in the city of Philippi. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. This is the background of the letter to the Philippians. He came to Philippi preaching the gospel. He came to this area known as Macedonia then. Acts chapter 16. And I want you to see what Paul went through. This is just one incident of many times that he suffered physically. It says in verse 22, the crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off off of them, proceeded in order uh, and ordered them to be beaten with rods. So they they ripped their clothes off and they just beat them. They just whacked them. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. The stocks meant that that your legs were spread apart as far as possible in order to induce cramping. So Paul and Silas here were being tortured. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were not complaining, were not griping, but they were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Could you imagine the impact on these men? Well, it certainly had an impact on the jailer. Because we read, suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. The reason he wanted to kill himself, because Rome had a law that if you let any prisoners go, you were a soldier, you let any prisoners go, uh, they had to take your life. So the guy is ready to commit suicide rather than be uh, have his life taken by Rome, and who knows what torture they would have for him in killing him. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we're all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He's not talking about his life being saved. He already stopped 
uh, wanting to kill himself. He's saying, in essence, sirs, I, I heard your message of salvation. I heard you praising God. I heard you singing hymns of praise. It's obvious that you have something special. How can I be saved? How can I enter into this relationship with Christ like you? How can I know such joy in the midst of suffering? Tell me the gospel. And Paul did. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You see, Paul endured such suffering, such suffering, and it didn't cause him to disgrace the ministry by quitting. He didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He didn't say, I'm getting too old for this. I ought to just stick with leather work. Why do I need this? He didn't say it was too hard for him. Rather than hinder the spread of the gospel, his faithful endurance for Christ in the midst of this horrible, agonizing torture was that he actually caused the gospel to progress. This man was impressed. Someone once said, scars are the authentic marks of faithful discipleship and true spiritual leadership. Those who are serious about Christ will suffer scars, if not physical scars, certainly emotional scars. You may not and never have been physically tortured for Christ, though a day is probably coming in our culture when that will take place. But certainly anyone who names the name of Christ knows the emotional pains that you bear because of Jesus, criticism, rejection by people, the loss of certain relationships which you could not continue, the closeness that you'd like with certain people, but it can't be done if you're committed to Christ. There is a loneliness to being a Christian. There is a loneliness. And your response to these pains brought on by others will determine whether the gospel will be hindered or not in your life. Like Paul, I urge you, praise God and rejoice. Don't listen to your feelings. Paul, I'm so glad Paul didn't say, who feels like rejoicing? But he rejoiced anyway because he was committed to obedience, not listening to his feelings. And as you remain steadfast in your commitment to Christ, others will observe that kind of response and they'll understand that Jesus is worth everything. For you to praise God when you're going through such pain reveals how wonderful Jesus Christ is. He is a treasure. He is the treasure of our soul. He is special so that you'll be faithful to him even with pain. A second type of suffering inflicted upon him, Paul says, was imprisonments, meaning that he was arrested and jailed in connection with his service for Christ. In chapter uh, 11 of 2 Corinthians, verse 23, he said that many times he was imprisoned. Now, why is someone imprisoned for Christ? Well, it's obvious. The goal of arresting someone for preaching the gospel is to silence them. Get them off the streets so that they can't preach anymore. Lock them up. Get them out of circulation so they can't be out there planting churches and evangelizing. And so they try to do with Paul. They try to put him out of commission. But you know what? When you are Christ's servant, you don't let your jail sentence uh, frustrate you. You don't let it silence you. You simply continue witnessing in jail. You just witness in jail. That's exactly what Paul did. Once again, Philippians. We're looking at Philippians a bit, but uh, it's because it, it reveals something of Paul's suffering. Philippians chapter 1. The background of this book is that when Paul wrote Philippians, he was under house arrest in Rome. He had been arrested four years earlier uh, in Jerusalem. He had spent two years in prison in Caesarea Philippi in Israel. Then they transferred him to Rome because he appealed to Caesar. On the way to Rome, his ship was destroyed in a storm, so they made it all the way to the little island of Malta, just south of Sicily. They were there for three months. He finally got to Rome, and they put him under arrest in in a house 
And Paul said he rejoiced in his imprisonment. He was actually rejoicing. Even though he wasn't out there evangelizing, even though he wasn't out there planting churches, notice what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, and he means my rotten circumstances, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Though I'm stuck in prison, the gospel has gone on. How is that? Verse 2, so that my imprisonment in the cause, uh, verse 13, I mean, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. The Praetorian Guard were the elite soldiers who had been assigned to him because he was a prisoner of the state. And they, he was chained to a soldier, a new soldier, every six hours they would change. Now, Paul had been there for, for two years, just about every guard knew of Paul, and guess what Paul did when they were chained to him? They couldn't get away. He witnessed. He would witness to them. And so they left knowing about Christ. They went home and told their families, who told their friends, who told other families, who told other friends, to the point that the gospel spread throughout uh, this city, Rome, to the point where in verse 22 of chapter 4, he says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. It had even gone to the emperor's own home, either either slaves, servants, or uh, family members in his household. They had become Christians. Uh, Paul could not be silenced. He did not back off. Far from feeling sorry for himself because of his rotten circumstances, Paul recognized that God had sovereignly placed him in prison in order to advance the gospel. Now, you and I are not in prison for your for our faith. But God has placed some of us in some very difficult situations, trying circumstances. Perhaps you you are in a family that you're the only believer. It's very difficult. Perhaps you have uh, you work for someone who mistreats you and doesn't appreciate you, but you really don't know where else to get another job. Or you live next to neighbors who are loud and noisy and and not particularly uh, courteous. But God has placed you there to be his instrument to be his instrument to advance the gospel. Where you are may not be personally attractive to you, but that's not the issue. The issue is that God has providentially placed you there to advance the gospel, for you to be faithful in your endurance with these trying circumstances so that others could see how real Christ is in your life and worth suffering for. The third specific type of suffering Paul mentions is that he was in, that was inflicted upon him. He says the the uh, expression in tumults. Now that, that's not a word we use very often. It simply means riots brought about in response to his preaching. It seems that everywhere Paul went, two things happened. People number one, people got saved. And number two, a riot broke out. Those two things. The typical scenario is that in each town that Paul came and preached to. A uh, crowd of of people spurred on by religious authority started a disturbance against the apostle. And as we read the book of Acts, you realize that riots broke out in connection with Paul's ministry. Listen to this list. And these are only the ones that are recorded. Only God knows how many more uh, riots broke out. In Damascus, Jerusalem, Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, and Ephesus. Wow, everywhere this man went. But Paul didn't quit. Paul didn't say, you know what, I'm, I'm, as I said before, I'm getting too old for this. He didn't, he didn't do that. And when we say there are riots, they attempted to kill the man. In Lystra, he was pelted with stones and left for dead. 
At Philippi, as we saw, he was beaten and thrown in prison, tortured. He was forced to flee from Thessalonica. He was dragged before the Roman authorities in Corinth. And he was in the process of being beaten to death by a Jewish mob in Jerusalem before some Roman soldiers rescued him. Yet, in spite of these frequent outbursts of violence, Paul never wavered in his faith for Christ. What what a man. But he calmly stuck to his objective of preaching the gospel. In fact, if you think that he wasn't human and he, he was just so hardened that it didn't bother him, he, it says in Acts chapter 18 that uh, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not be afraid. Paul was afraid. Paul didn't enjoy this stuff. Paul was a little guy getting beaten on by people everywhere he went. He was afraid. God said, do not be afraid, for I have many people in the city. Continue to preach. And he did. Once again, he endured even in the face of danger. And it proved that his sincerity for Christ was so real and that Christ was so real and he was his servant and that Jesus was worth suffering for, even if they took his life, which eventually they did in a Roman dungeon. They put him in there and they called him out and they eventually chopped his head off. See, Paul didn't disgrace the ministry. He didn't indicate that he was a fair-weathered disciple, as many of us do indicate. He stuck with Christ through, number one, the general trials of ministry. Number two, the sufferings inflicted on him by others in persecution. But there was a third type of trial that Paul endured in his service for Christ. And to me, this is the most amazing, because this third type is a, is a type of trial which we would call self-inflicted hardships. That is to say, nobody put it upon him. He voluntarily put this upon himself. Verse 5 goes on to say, In labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Unlike the previous statements about Paul's sufferings, which really was persecution brought on by others, these three words express hardship that he brought on himself. He did this to himself for the cause of Christ. The first hardship he mentions that he imposed on himself was, he says, in labors, meaning this. He endured for Christ in the face of a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. Paul was a tiresome laborer. Someone once commented that the world is run by tired men. That's absolutely true. Certainly true in Paul's case. You know, if you if a man is busy and yet he accomplishes a lot, he's the man you want to give more to. He's the man you want to give more to because he'll get the job done. Paul was like that. In fact, Paul worked so hard in serving Christ that the Greek word that he uses here to describe his labor implies the thought of toiling to the point of exhaustion and fatigue. When we finish this, you'll have a new appreciation for Paul. There was no laziness in the apostle. He didn't work a few hours during the day and then play golf. He didn't do that. He strained and pushed himself to serve Christ to the point of weariness. Now, keep in mind that Paul was not just a missionary. He was a tent maker. He was what we would call a leather worker. His policy was to work as a tent maker in order to be financially independent. He didn't want churches thinking that he was preaching this message to get their money. Remember, Christianity was new. The church was new. Didn't have 2,000 years to, to look at and, and kind of get a historical perspective. He didn't want people thinking he was a religious con artist, just coming with a message so he can get fat and, and be rich off of the folks. And so he worked as a tent maker. Now, that that's not 
He does not impose that on others. He That was totally voluntary on his part. But he wanted to be in, financially independent. And he provided not only for himself, but for the men who worked with him, as well as poor people. Paul always had a burden to take care of the poor. So that meant that he worked day and night with both his ministry and his leather work. Let me show you this. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. He speaks of this. I'm, I'm just amazed at, at Paul. It's a missionary worth investing in. He says in verse uh, 8, Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Paul said, whenever I could, I did my leather work. Whether it was getting up early or staying up late, I did that so we wouldn't be a burden to you, that, that if you gave me food, I could pay for it. There's no mooching off of you. Now, just a little glimpse into Paul's lifestyle while he was at Ephesus will give you a new appreciation for this man. Acts chapter 20. Look look with me at Acts chapter 20. It's just incredible the way Paul worked, how hard he worked. Now, some people think that the ministry just kind of work one day a week. I had a neighbor like that who... uh, said to me, I thought you guys just work one day a week. And I said, I don't know what kind of ministers you know, but the kind that I know don't work like that. They work very hard, and Paul certainly was in that, that class. In Acts chapter 20, this is the background he's speaking about his Ephesian ministry. He says in verse 31, Therefore, he tells the elders from Ephesus, Be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Night and day he worked. But there's more. Chapter 20, verse 20. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Paul went house to house visiting people in this city, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's working, doing his leather work night and day. Paul was one of the hardest working missionaries ever. But many missionaries, pastors, and even lay people around the world give all they have for the Lord, sometimes even their lives. On the other hand, we probably all know of a few who slide through life more concerned with their own comfort than with the countless souls around them who are heading for a Christless eternity. Those are the Christians that the lost will try to use as excuses for their own unbelief. Let us resolve to be the ones who demonstrate that the Lord Jesus really is worth it after all. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the year taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Thanks for tuning in. If you're curious about Lakeside or maybe looking for a home church of your own in Clearwater, visit lakesidechapel.com or call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Just a quick message for our visually impaired listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. Our study for this series is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and is titled, Hindrances to the Gospel. If you've missed any of the broadcasts in this series, you can get caught up at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Go to the message archive page and feel free to download or stream any of the hundreds of previous programs you'll find there. And if you've been blessed listening to Verse by Verse, 
would you ask the Lord about helping to support this ministry? We make giving simple and secure on the website. Just click the link to the giving page. Or you can call Lakeside for more information at the number I gave earlier, 727-441-1714. We are grateful for those whose gifts and prayers help keep Verse by Verse on the air. I'm Jerry Peterson. It's been famously said, Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, Wow, what a ride. To put it more prosaically, one of my college professors said that every Christian should come to the end of life completely used up and exhausted. And she was in her late 70s and still teaching full-time when she said that. Her challenge is still firmly lodged in my brain 45 years later. I don't know where I'll be 15 years down the road or what I'll be doing, but I hope that if I'm still alive, I'll still be serving the Lord. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will show us that Paul's life challenges us in the same way. 